Today in Canadian history for May the 11th, I'm Joe Barima. On this day back in 1972, Montrealer Joe Horvath, also known as Little Joe or Joe Valentine, was arrested. He was charged with conspiring to import $2 million worth of hashish from Afghanistan via a Montreal airport. This was just one of several arrests in Joe's life. He associated with the Catroni family and the infamous West End gang, the focus of today's episode. Don't worry, we'll finish Joe Valentine's story later. Referred to by some as Montreal's Irish Mafia, the West End gang had mostly Irish Catholic roots. Before the 1950s, they pulled off little jobs like picking pockets and stealing cars. But the group eventually became the go-to criminals for larger heists, such as knocking off a bank or cracking a safe. Darcy O'Connor is the author of Montreal's Irish Mafia, the true story of the infamous West End gang. I've reached him in Montreal. The, the West End gang was never as organized as, uh, say, the uh, Italian Mafia in Montreal or the uh, biker gangs uh, such as the uh, Hells Angels or the Rock Machine. Uh, they didn't have a, a hierarchy in, in terms of having a, a leader at the top who gave orders. Uh, they were more or less a, a collective uh, in, in small cells, but uh, their, their common bond was the fact that they were all Irish they had the same sort of uh, roots growing up in uh, in the Point and uh, Griffintown. And uh, they stuck mostly to uh, robbing banks, uh, tunneling under banks, and uh, uh, safe-cracking, uh, boosting stuff from uh, trucks and, and, and so on. And then uh, uh, through uh, Denny Ryan, who was their uh, probably uh, most famous leader uh, during the 70s and 80s, uh, they would fence the stuff. And then, of course, they got into narcotics. Many people may cross the street when approaching a member of the so-called mafia. Darcy O'Connor took a different approach. I first started meeting some of these guys back uh, uh, when I was working for the Wall Street Journal in New York, and I came up here and did a story on... Uh, Montreal being the bank robbery, uh, robbery capital of North America, and then noticed that a lot of these robberies had been pulled off uh, by uh, Anglophones, and uh, specifically uh, Irish Anglophones. And uh, then a few years later, uh, I moved back here in Montreal uh, uh, in '79, uh, and I started teaching uh, a program uh, at a uh, prison up in uh, Laval, north of Montreal. And uh, I started running into these Irish guys, and they would tell me stories about, uh, uh, you know, jobs they'd pulled off and so on. And I was quite intrigued by that. And then I kind of let it go. And 30 years later, I started meeting the same guys again who were now out of jail and uh, decided uh, there should be a book written about these guys. And that's how it came to pass. Well, I, I found, uh, because I was teaching creative writing in this program, uh, that they were pretty creative because, uh, as any uh, journalism teacher or writing teacher would tell you, uh, write what you know about. And so these guys were writing me, uh, uh, you know, short stories and uh, even uh, film treatments about uh, some wild and crazy uh, bank jobs. And then I realized, of course, they were using different names, but they were talking about themselves. And so there were guys like uh, Rory Shane, for example, who uh, uh, is very famous for having robbed banks out in uh, Vancouver and then when he was uh, in 
incarcerated in Montreal. He uh, escaped and then pulled off all kinds of bank jobs here, including one in which he used a, a uh, commandeered a helicopter to uh, make an escape. And I had uh, Billy McAllister, who has uh, probably uh, spent more time in jail than he has uh, outside of jail. He's about 67 now and uh, recently out on parole. And so he pulled off all kinds of jobs, uh, robbing uh, armored trucks uh, in which a, a guard was killed, and uh, robbing banks and uh, boosting uh, goods off trucks and so on. So, uh, yeah, so I met all these guys about 30 years ago, and then I started meeting them again uh, when I started doing this book uh, two years ago. Many stories pile up over the course of five decades of crime, but certain heists and crimes still have a tendency to stand out. Probably Rory Shane's escapade stand out for me there the most, because uh, he had a unique way of escaping from his uh, capers, such as uh, commandeering a sailboat out on the West Coast when he'd robbed a uh, bank in Victoria, B.C., and then here in Montreal, as I mentioned, uh, um, and taking over a helicopter, he and his girlfriend, and uh, uh, making their escape that way. And uh, then Billy McAllister, who uh, pulled off you know some really big jobs until he got busted in uh, in uh, 2006, and uh, then uh, around that same time, there was uh, what is considered the largest drug bust by the uh, RCMP, uh, 22.5 tons of, uh, of uh, hashish that was uh, uh, organized by the West Bank gang uh, on a boat that was supposed to come from uh, around the Horn of Africa and into Montreal. And uh, the uh, it was a sting operation, and uh, those drugs uh, would have been worth uh, a couple of billion dollars if they'd ever made it to Montreal. So, so they were very clever. I mean, they they put they didn't just walk into banks and firing guns into the air or uh, things like that, or or just dealing. They certainly didn't deal drugs on the street. Um, they organized some very very large uh, operations. And now back to the story of Joe Valentine. He was the son of a Hungarian immigrant family, and he grew up in Montreal's Red Lake District. He was known for being involved in ambitious heists. Probably his biggest job that almost came off was the so-called Trans Island uh, Tunnel Affair, uh, Trans Island Street being a street up here in uh, north of Montreal, uh, where they spent nine months tunneling from across the street under a bank and uh, uh, presumably, well, obviously, to uh, get into the safety deposit boxes. And Joe's expertise was as a safe cracker. So he was along not just to do the digging and tunneling, uh, but once they got in to uh, get into those uh, safety deposit boxes, which uh, if they successful was about six million bucks worth of uh, uh, probably cash and, uh, and uh, jewels and uh, bearer bonds and so on. And uh, so he was the expert who would pick those locks. However, just before they got into the bank, the, the cops had been aware of it for about a couple of weeks before and they wanted to get them uh, red-handed. And uh, they did catch them uh, in uh, July of, uh, or uh, March of uh, 67. 
And uh, so Joe, Joe got put away for that. And uh, he got out uh, a few years later and uh, then got into drugs. And uh, the last I heard of him, he was arrested in uh, March of 74 uh, and uh, was indicted actually by a grand jury down in the States, I think in Wisconsin, for trafficking in narcotics. He was extradited there and then sent back. And uh, then he died relatively young in uh, in April of uh, that year of 74. I think he was about 45 years old. So, uh, yeah, so, so uh, Horvath, uh, uh, he was just known as a really good uh, uh, lock picker and uh, somebody who could uh, get into those safe deposit boxes. <laughs> And uh, certainly now, in the uh, you know in, in, in 2011, there's no real Irish uh, mafia or Irish uh, you know West End gang uh, to speak of, because unlike the uh, the Italians who uh, whose sons uh, would sort of take over the business after after the old man got uh, uh, either out of the business or uh, you know too old to run it, um, they kind of disappeared. The other thing is politics. Uh, as you know, back in uh, 1976, when the uh, PQ, uh, Parti Québécois, first got elected in Montreal, uh, something like 240,000 uh, uh, Anglophones fled uh, Montreal, headed to places like Toronto and Calgary, Vancouver, and so on. And so there, there, the numbers of the, uh, the Irish uh, descendants of the Irish emigres uh, dwindled quite quickly so there's no real Irish uh, large Irish population in Montreal today as there certainly was uh, in the first half of the uh, 19th century or 20 uh, sorry 20th century well often uh, these guys are romanticized as uh, as you mentioned the sopranos and the Godfather and so on but uh, they were pretty vicious and uh, so I, I tried hard uh, when I was writing the book, not to romanticize the West End Gang or any of the others, uh, but some of them uh, had, you know, were, were kind of quirky, and some of them uh, uh, sort of were Robin Hoods. Uh, for example, uh, 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 the uh, uh, some of the Irish guys down in Point Saint Charles, they were known to uh, be giving out uh, turkeys at Thanksgiving, Christmas, giving gifts to children, and so on. And you know, try to uh, I guess up their reputation that way, but basically, no, they were thugs. All of them were thugs of uh, one sort of another. Today is a day full of Canadian history. Edmund James Flynn became Premier of Quebec on this day back in 1896. An international best-selling author, Sheila Burnford, was born on this day back in 1918. And as always, on this day, we aired this episode of Today in Canadian History. Today in Canadian History is produced by CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary. The executive producers are Joe Barima and Mark Affeld. Original music is provided by the Fisk, Fletcher and May Trio. This series is not meant to be a definitive source on our past. Instead, we hope that it sparks a desire to learn more about our unique history. For more information on the series or to recommend an event or moment, check out our website at cgswcom today in Canadian history. Mm-hmm.